So uh, just to get started here, uh, this, is, uh, this is where we were probably a few weeks ago, but I'm going to start actually reading in Luke 11, 9 through 13. It says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he has asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And uh, for those who were here last week, you guys know I wasn't here. Aaron and I got away up to Avila Beach, and it was really nice, and the weather was perfect, and it was just an amazing uh, getaway for the weekend. I appreciate the chance to do that. And, but the week before that, I'd actually started with reading out of a, uh, a uh, what, do I, what do you read in the morning? What's the word I'm looking for? Devotional. I was reading out of devotional. Thank you. I do that. Actually, that will actually will tie in with the message this morning. Um, but uh, I was reading out a devotional, and this is what it says, and I read this a couple weeks ago, and I still want to continue on with this. It says this. It says, The Holy Spirit is the oil of gladness. The Lord said, I see the oppression of my people. I hear their cry. I know their sorrows. Just as the Lord knew and identified with the suffering of his people in Moses' day, he knows your troubles today. He is oil pouring himself into your wounds. He can make you rejoice. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. It goes on. It says, Lord, your healing oil is good. Rejuvenate my spirit and take away the scars of my mind. Just as your oil takes away physical pain, I also want you to take away mental and spiritual memories. Let your oil wash away the impurities in my wounds and cleanse me physically and mentally. The Holy Spirit is oil. When he pours his presence on your discouragement, You'll have new zeal to live for God and new strength to serve Him. You'll rejoice. The Holy Spirit is oil. When He pours His presence on your failures, you'll see new opportunities in your life. You'll grow. He is oil, washing away your impurities that fester and breed germs. You can be whole again. He is oil, giving you a second chance and a new opportunity. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit give you a new challenge this day. Hebrews 1.9 says, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. And in review, a couple of weeks ago, I said that the, when you read the word oil in the Bible, it doesn't always mean the Holy Spirit. But whenever you read anointing and oil, you're always going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And so two weeks ago, we were talking about the oil of gladness, the Holy Spirit of gladness, and what God has for us that way. And then this morning, I uh, woke up with this dream. I actually woke up in a really tough uh, mood. I woke up to, in my dream, I was telling my wife, Erin. Actually, I was out in front. I was out in the church parking lot telling her this. Um, I said, this is the one thing I do know is I'm tired of living, and I don't want to live anymore. And I looked at her, and I told her that. And that's all I could remember of my dream. And I was like, what the heck? What is this all about? And uh, then I started remembering part of the dream. And the dream was, first of all, before I hit the dream, 
I struggle with my memory sometimes, and it scares me, and it really bothers me, even looking for the word devotional. It's just, and there's things that happen with my memory that concern me. And uh, my dream was this, the part that I remember. Aaron and I came to church together. We were out in the parking lot. I got out of the car, and I looked, and I had on a dirty T-shirt, dirty pants. I forgot to shower, and church was supposed to start in five minutes. And I was standing there thinking, I don't have time to go home and shower. I can't get up and preach like this. I can't do this. I'm so tired of this. I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm tired. I don't even want to. And I said, I don't want to live anymore. And so I said, okay, I had this dream. Holy Spirit, what's that all about? What's going on? And so normally I don't do this, but this is what the Holy Spirit told me. This is what I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me. That maybe somebody in this room is at that point in their life right now where they don't want to go on anymore. They don't want to live anymore. They're contemplating suicide. They're looking at it. And before I even preach this morning, if there is somebody or somebody's here who is contemplating or thinking about, or they are so discouraged, they are in that point, I want to pray for you right now. So is there anybody who has been dealing with this and going through this who, who I'm supposed to pray for this morning? Is that you? Or are you waiting, raising your hand for someone else? Are you just waving at me? Okay. Anybody else? Your son Mike? He's going through that? Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to ask a few people to lay their hands on Carol right there and a few people lay their hands on Gene right there and I want to pray for them right now and then we'll go on. First, I'll say this. Normally when I have something like that, I say, Lord, why, why this? What's going on? What's happening right now? I know you're trying to do something. And then it was actually when I was in the shower when he was telling me. So we want to pray right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you. I pray for Carol, Lord, and the discouragement she's under. And, and uh, even though she says she's not suicidal, she doesn't want to go on like this, Lord. So, uh, Lord, you came to set the captives free, Lord Jesus. I pray that you, your Holy Spirit, your oil of gladness, will just pour over the top of her head down to the bottom of her feet. You would just cover in your oil of gladness. I pray this for Mike too, Lord Jesus, for Michael, and you would be with him. And Jean and Marcy, as they're going through this, and it's so difficult to watch your children go through these things. Father, you are our Holy Spirit of oil, of gladness, and that you have good for us. And I just pray, Lord, once again, you just be with them, that you would encourage them, that they would have new, renewed hope. And you this morning, Lord Jesus, we place them in your hands. They are yours. We consider it done. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. So, the, the, what was going to be the second point of my sermon is now going to be the first point of my sermon. I'm just switching the order up a little bit, that's all. 
And this is what it says. This is what the uh, devotional, one of the things it said. It says, the Holy Spirit is oil. When he pours his presence on your discouragement, you'll have new zeal to live for God and new strength to serve him. You'll rejoice. And so I want to look at discouragement a little bit this morning because it seems like there is a lot of discouragement going around and a lot of people fighting it and going with it, battling it, I should say. The Holy Spirit is our oil to be anointed to help battle discouragement. That, if we're honest, probably all of us face at different times in our life. If we're honest and we're you know, somewhat transparent. All of us go through times of discouragement that we, we really get down and we get beat up. So I want to share, share some scriptures and look at those this morning. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged? You know why God tells us that? Because we get terrified and we get discouraged. If we didn't get terrified and discouraged, we wouldn't need to be told that. And what is Joshua facing at this point? They're getting ready to take the land. They're getting ready to go out and take the promised land. They're getting ready to go. And he says, do not get discouraged, do not be terrified. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If we say nothing else this morning, if you can grab onto that, because if you're not going through it right now, there will come a time you will be facing it. You will be going through it. You will have this try to, uh, you will become terrified or discouraged. And just grabbing on to Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The land that they were going to take on, if you guys remember, was full of giants. They went out. They scouted the land. They came back with the grapes. So grapes so big, they had to put it on a pole and carry it between them. Flowing with milk and honey, the land's a good land. The land's wonderful, but it's full of giants. And the people are all numerous, and they view us as grasshoppers. And he's going in to take that land now. And God says, be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you. It's not going to be you. I'm going to be with you. You know what God says to us this morning? I'm with you. Whatever facing, whatever you're going through, whatever the battle is, I am with you and I will be with you wherever you go. You're not on your own. You don't have to face this on your own. If you've invited me in, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, the Lord is with us. And he's not only with us, but he's for us. He's for each and every one of us. He wants the good for each and every one of us. So whatever giant we're facing, be it Goliath, be it the people in the land who are giants, being at a financial issue, being at a marital issue, being at a whatever issue, family issue, being at a physical issue, being at an emotional issue, there's all these things that can get us and bring us down and knock us down. 
He says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now think about this. We get a terrified because we see something that we can't handle, and it terrifies it. It's too big for us. We get discouraged because we keep getting beat on and beat on and beat on, and it just wears on us, and it beats us down, and we start getting discouraged. Some of us start crying out, God, where are you? Where are you? What's going on? What's happening? But here's the thing. God's always working. He's always working. He's always working on our behalf. We don't always see it. We don't always see Him. We don't always even sense Him. Sometimes we go through um, seasons of driving through a desert where everything's really dry and you look out there and all you see is sand. I mean, spiritually, we go through these seasons of just these desert experiences and after a while they start wearing on us and beating up on us. And we're saying, God, where are you? Where's the greenery? Where's this life you have for me? Where's this oil of gladness? That I read in your word. I want your oil of gladness, not the oil of desert. What's going on? And God said, I'm doing my work. I'm doing my work in your life right now. Spurgeon, they consider one of the greatest preachers ever, battled depression to the point that there were times he would go to bed for a week straight and get up Sunday morning just to preach. Couldn't hardly even get himself out of bed during the week. He battled depression so intensely and so much. And yet he would get up and then he would go out and preach again. And when you face those times, God, where are you? But God's working. We just don't always see it. We don't always sense it. It's like uh, some of the stars we see. We look up and they see the light. Some of them they say we're sent however long ago and the light's just coming and we're actually seeing it right now. Yeah, that's the way God is sometimes. It's already working. It's already happening. It's already way. It's already coming. It's already happening to us. We just don't see it yet because it's on the way. God has good plans for us. Do not be terrified. Do not get discouraged. Be strong and courageous, church. I am with you. My work's on its way. I'm doing a work in you right now through the middle of it. As a matter of fact, when you talk to preachers who normally have um, a real impact, most of the preachers, pretty much all of them will tell you, you want my ministry, you don't want to go through what I had to go through to get the ministry that God's given me. You want the ministry, you don't want to have to go through the stuff I had to go through that God allowed me to go through to get where he wanted me to be. Because I needed to go through those things for God to do the work in my life that he wanted to do to use me the way he wanted to use me. That's why James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance will have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What's that, James? One, two, three, four, I think. Um, count it all joy when you're going through the desert. Count it all joy when you're struggling. Count it all joy. Well, I'm going to tell you this. When you're going through those desert experiences and you're discouraged, you have a choice. 
You can stay discouraged and look at the issue, or you can start rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. And it goes on and on and on. Then the peace that passes understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You guys remember that? Philippians 4, 4 through 7 or something like that. Yeah. We can rejoice. We can put our eyes on Him. We can start, as it says in Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, brethren, stand strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Stand strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. When we're, standing in the strong in the, when we're standing strong in the Lord and the strength of His might, man, it builds us up. It gives us encouragement. It gives us hope. It gets us pumped up. It gets us going. When we're standing there facing these uh, long treks in the, in the desert, it just starts wearing on us and beating us down and wearing us up. And when is that ever going to end? And where are you? And what's going on? And what's happening? Another scripture I want to encourage you with along the same lines. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, afraid and do not be discouraged. Once again, God's with us wherever we go. If, my, if I make my bed in Sheol, thou art with me. Where can I go? Where can I flee God's presence? Where can I? I will be with you. I will, I will be there with you. Don't be afraid. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Another Rome, another one. Romans fifteen thirteen says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit." May the God of hope. First of all, start there. He is the God of hope. So no matter what it is or what you're going through, He is the God of hope. He is our hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory. God is our hope. It says, may the God of hope fill you. To be filled with God. To be filled with His hope. To be filled with His fruit of the Spirit. To be filled with His joy to be filled what He has for each and every one of us. Because when we have those desert experiences, they're for our good. He's doing a work in our life. You know, we've heard it so many times, but it's true. The hotter you heat up gold, the purer it gets. The impurities keep burning off, and the hotter it gets, and the hotter it gets. We don't like the heat, but we like the preciousness of the pure so God allows us in our lives and he turns the heat up because he wants to purify us more and more and more to be more like him but he's the God of hope may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him be full of joy this morning joy is very close to happiness but joy is not built on circumstances joy is built on the Lord on who our God is Happiness is built on circumstances. If you will live your life built on happiness, you're going to do this. And then every once you'll come up. And I don't know, uh, I don't even know why this always stuck in my head, but, and I've shared this before, but when I was in school and college, in one of the psych classes, they said in the psych class 
that people will have 12 negative things come in their life for every two positive things. And I still never figured out why they'd say six and one. They said 12 and two. Maybe because it would stick in my brain better if they said 12 and two than six and one. And I don't know how they even came up with that. I don't remember that. I just remember reading that and thinking, holy smokes, really? In life, you're going to have, on average, six negative things happen to every one positive thing? And then I started thinking, but God's bigger than. God's greater than. And when we face them, he wants to use them for his glory in our lives. So like I said earlier, we need to rejoice. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Not some joy. Not partial joy. Not almond joy. All joy in the Holy Spirit. Almond joy is pretty good. It's pretty close sometimes. It just doesn't last as long. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. You know that word uh, joy, and I don't have my notes here on joy. It's been a long time. But as I remember, the Greek word is kara, and for peace, it's irene. And both of them have to do with joy in the midst of a situation and peace in the midst of a situation. That's what those words mean. It doesn't mean lack of strife in our lives. It means peace during the middle of the storm. We're right in the middle of the storm. Oh, we're at the very beginning. We're starting. We're like Joshua. We're faced with this daunting task of how we're going to take over this land and lead these people and take them in, and, and, and we're overwhelmed with it, and we have peace right in the middle at the beginning of it because God's with us, and he'll be with us. That's what that word means. We're always praying, God, stop the storm. Take me out of the storm. Let the storm go around me. Let the storm bypass me. I don't want to see the storm. I'm tired of storms. And God says, nope, time for another baptism. Let it rain. And it starts raining on us. And it comes down. Let me tell you about storms. It was uh, not this season, the season before when Mikey and I were out duck hunting and it had been raining. We spent six hours digging ourselves out of mud because we got stuck in the storm. Six hours. We didn't have any shovels. We sat there. We were using our hands to dig out of mud. We took, I took my hunting stool, put it underneath the tire to try to get traction out of there. Finally, he walked over to a different area, found two shovels. We ended up digging and getting ourselves out of six hours out there working. I wish we would have taken pictures the good news is, is we had our waders and stuff on before we got in the mud because we were literally covered in mud up to here, and the inside of his truck was covered in mud, and the outside was covered in mud. There was mud everywhere. I mean, like mud this thick in the inside of his truck. And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, God, I don't want to be here. I'm stuck. I don't want to be stuck. I'm going to talk about that one second. I don't know why I brought it up. I wasn't planning on it. So we're stuck out there, and we have friends, and they always call. Hey, how's it going out there? Are there any birds? Uh, we don't know. We're stuck in the mud. Oh, yeah, we're, oh, we know where we're stuck. Calls back later. How you guys doing? Oh, we're still stuck. I said, I don't think we're getting out. I said, I think we're spending the night out here in the truck. I mean, Mikey liked that idea. I didn't. Just kidding. 
And he goes, you know what? I'm going to grab some shovels. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to get, I'll get down there as fast as I can. So this friend of ours, he grabbed, threw some shovels in, threw some blocks in. He says, even if we can't get your truck out today, we can go in tomorrow. We can get it out. You guys don't have to spend the night in the truck because we have a trailer down there we sleep in. You'll be good. I said, great. I'm so excited. So uh, after Mikey and I worked and worked and worked and worked, finally I started driving. I said, let me try. Got the truck up. We drove up on this. Now you have to drive up on this check, this levee, and it's just probably just barely wide enough for a truck, and on the other side is water down there, so I had to go flying up in all this mud. We slide in sideways, and I land the right direction, going the right way, and I finished it, and when I was sitting in there, and I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I call our buddy up who's on our way. I said, listen, we got out of the mud now. Um, if you don't want to come out, I understand. He goes, you know what? I'm in Brawley, and... Uh, I'm halfway there, so I'm going to come down. And then he calls back, I think literally a minute later, and said, you know what? I forgot my wallet. I'm stopped for gas. I wanted to get on the road to beat the traffic to get you guys. I don't have my wallet, and I have some quarters. So we found like $10 worth of quarters and put it in his truck. And then he said, uh, and then he said uh-oh, that's not enough. So he went and got every dime and nickel and penny. And he put it in. And I said, listen, you make it down here. I'll fill your truck up. We'll be good to go. He says, it's closer to get home. I don't think I have enough to make it home. I'm headed home. And I said, well, if you get stuck on the way home, you call me. I'll drive you and take you home if that's what we need to do. You were coming out to help us. I'll go out and help you. I share that with you because sometimes in life, it's so much better to go through it with someone. As a matter of fact, even though we were stuck for six hours in the mud, just that we had each other, and we encouraged each other. Like one would start getting discouraged. It's okay. We're going to get out of here. We would go back and forth. Mikey and I would encourage each other. And then he's on his way out, and then he thinks he's going to get stuck and not make it home with enough gas. And just that somebody will say, don't worry, I'll come and get you if that's what it needs to take. I'll help. I'll be there for you. And God wants to use each and every one of us to do that in each and every one of our lives, let alone relying on Him, because He will never leave us, He will never forsake us, and He is our hope, and He wants to fill us with joy and peace, even when you're stuck in the mud for six hours and you think you're not getting out. He still wants you to be full of joy and peace as you... Trust in Him. You see, we put our trust in the giants, in the circumstances. We put our trust in them that they're going to be big, too big for us rather than being our trust in God. And then that makes it even worse for us as we trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by what? The power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And he, he gives us the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. And as I shared two weeks ago, I believe, and this church believes, that every Christian has the Holy Spirit come inside of you when you accept Him. 
I also believe, and this church also believes, that there is what is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that can come on right at salvation, or sometimes that comes on at a later point. And sometimes it's by the laying on of hands. Sometimes it's by the laying on of hands of elders. Sometimes it's people. I've known even my uh, aunt and uncle got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, actually, uh, I grew up in a church that did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, they were anti-baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what I grew up in. And then uh, that all changed. And my parents were reading this book, and he gave it to his brother. And as they were reading this book during the night and seeking God, they just started getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they started uh, praying in tongues. And they didn't even know what praying in tongues was. This just came upon them, and they just started speaking it out, and they had no idea. Well, they wasn't even talking about it in the book. They were just like, what's going on? And so, you know, you're calling my parents right away. What's going on? This is scaring us and everything. And then they were explaining it to them, and they started getting excited about what God's doing. So we believe there also can be a baptism of the Holy Spirit that may take place after. As a matter of fact, I think it's Acts chapter 19, right at the beginning there when he says, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know there was a uh, the Holy Spirit. I think that's Acts 19. Do you guys remember? No, neither do I. I think it's Acts 19. And then they said, we want it. So they laid hands on him and prayed, and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we believe that that's available too. As a matter of fact, Acts 1a says, you shall receive power, the same word power, dunamis, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, it's a, it's a baptism of power that the Holy Spirit has for us. And uh, that's available to us. That I, I, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm all about it. Lord, if you have that for me, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues. I've never had the gift of tongues where I've spoken out on Sunday morning and somebody has an interpretation, which I believe the gift of tongues is different than praying in tongues. And it says, I shall uh, pray with the mind. I shall pray with the spirit also. I believe there's a difference between. I'm not actually didn't mean to get into gifts this morning and everything, but we're here for a reason. And uh, let's just go with what God has. I believe there's a difference between praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is the is a gift that he gives to whom he gives. And when he gives you the gift of tongues, it's for uh, like a, an assembly like this. And somebody would speak out in a tongue, which is an unknown language, and then somebody else would have an interpretation. And yes, those things have happened at this church before. And then there's praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. And I believe that every Christian is, has the ability to do that. It's not a... It's not just a gift that he gives to. I believe it's available to each and every one of us, and we pray. And I went through that whole thing when we don't know how to pray and all that, actually a while ago, and I'm not going to do that again this morning. And that's Romans chapter 8. But let's get on here. That you may overflow with hope by the power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. And we're looking at discouragement. When the Holy Spirit fills you with power and comes upon you, discouragement flees. It's gone. Satan will try to bring it back. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his aim. That's his goal. That's what he wants to do. But we're not stuck there. 
But I came that you might have life, and that abundantly. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not what, on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm going to read that again. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. I wish I'd start wasting away a little more personally. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When you have your eyes fixed on the seen, S-E-E-N, on the scene of the giant or the trouble that's facing you or whatever's causing this, this uh, terrifying feeling you're going through. When your eyes are fixed on that, it actually just gets worse in our head. It gets bigger. The more we think about it, the worse it gets. You can start with a little thing, and if you think about it long enough, it becomes this great big thing, this huge thing. You know, people tell me I have cancer. Well, how do you know you have cancer? Well, I have this little bump, and I must have cancer. They go from this tiny little bump that's nothing to I have cancer, I'm probably stage four, and I'm about to be done. It just gets bigger. It grows in our mind. It expands. When we fix our eyes on God, the author and perfecter of faith, faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Hebrews, was that Hebrews 12, 3, something like that, fixing our eyes on Jesus. When we fix our eyes on Jesus and we fix our eyes on him and they stay fixed on him, we start seeing God is working. He is in the middle of this. He is going to use this for my glory. This is going to be something that's powerful. You know, I just had this thought coming in my head right now, but um, probably a lot of you don't know, but Ray Espinosa is not here this morning. He's up north. One of his employees committed suicide this past week. It was, uh, I think it was Thursday night I got the text. And actually, uh, his employee worked at this church quite a bit. His, his employee went out and painted the front of the church one time recently. He committed suicide this past week. And uh, got, what? The whole building? Um, yeah. And he was down here working. And he said he knew the Lord. And yet, and I don't know what caused it. So you know what? I'm going to pray for his family right now, even in the middle of my sermon. Heavenly Father, I pray for Luciano's family, Lord, and uh, his wife. And I think he has two daughters, if I remember correctly, Lord. And I pray that you would just be with them and uh, that they would have your irony peace inside of them, Lord Jesus, and that you would fill them with your peace, you would fill them with your joy, you would fill them with comfort. All the uh, guilt that's trying to come on them right now, Lord Jesus, and blaming themselves would just be gone in Jesus' name. 
and uh, that you would fill them with your hope and they would uh, start fixing their eyes on you right now. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, on the spiritual, on the Lord, on the Holy Spirit. Because there there's encouragement. There there's hope. There there is strength. There there is power. There there is life. There there is energy. There is what we're looking for. And so we fix our eyes on Him. We focus on Him. Take your eyes off the problem and put them onto the Lord. Instead of getting to, oh, woe is me and how terrible everything is, start rejoicing, start praising, start worshiping. Start, start thanking the Lord that you're going through it. God, I thank you that I'm going through this because I know you're using it for good in my life because you promised that. And I know, Lord, that you're going to make this more for a better ministry for me. So I thank you that you're doing this right now, Lord. Rather than I can't handle it anymore, I can't do this anymore, or I'm done, I don't want to live anymore like I had in my dream, make it be, Lord, I rejoice in you. I thank you. I worship you. I glorify in you. I thank you, Lord, that you never leave me. I thank you, Lord, that all things work together for good for those who are called, et cetera, et cetera, love the Lord and called according to his purpose. I'm running out of time, and I'm trying to do it all quickly. I talk fast enough already. If I talk any faster, I don't think you'll understand me. I won't get anything done. So Isaiah 41.10 says, and I'll close with this. I actually have one, two, three, about five or six more or seven more to go through. We're not going to make it probably this morning. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't you love that scripture? Don't you love that scripture? So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know what? I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm just going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are my God, that you are my God, that you are our God, that you are sovereign that you are in control even when we don't see it, that you have good plans even when we don't see it. Lord, help us to take our eyes off the problem and put them back on you, the problem solver. And Lord, I pray for those, even there might have been more who were ashamed and didn't want to admit it this morning, Lord. I pray for anybody who's facing discouragement and especially against anybody who could be suicidal. I pray, Lord, that that spirit would just be gone in Jesus' name. And, Lord, that uh, you would encourage, that you would fill with hope, that you would help us to see that you are with us every single step of the way, that you are our God, that you want to strengthen, that you will help us, and that you will be with us, and you will uphold us by your righteous right hand. And get that deep into our heart and deep into our spirit so we can share it with those around us. And now I want to give people a chance to accept the Lord. If you've never accepted the Lord and you'd like to accept him, if you don't have a personal relationship, if you haven't invited him in, you probably don't have a personal relationship with him, and he wants to have one with you. And if you want one with him, 
He's extending his hand out to you. He wants relationship with you. And if you want it with him, I'm asking to stand up, walk down to the front of the church, and uh, I'll pray with you, and he'll come in, and he will take this discouragement and turn it around. Anybody here who would like to do that this morning? And Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that uh, if there is anybody here, that they would not leave this building without coming to know you and having a personal relationship with you. I pray as we leave here, we leave here in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I just thank you for this. And uh, I actually got an email this week or last week telling me that somebody here wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to say this. Uh, when the service is over, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, like I talked about just for a little bit this morning, come up and grab me, and uh, we're going to sit down and talk, and uh, we'll go through that. And if anybody wants to do that, I'll be glad to meet with you, and uh, we'll grab some guys, and we'll go back. And if it's a female, we'll grab some females, and we'll go pray, and God will do what he wants to do. Amen? So we just, uh, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name, and we all say... Amen. Let's stand and close in song. Amen.